Oh, thank you. Thank you for that uh, raucous, that raucous welcome. Much appreciated. It's great to be with you. As we, uh, I'm part of the warm-up act, building up as the excitement mounts towards the 23rd of December. Is that right? My birthday. Um, that's what I'm looking forward to. I have to get that in there because Christmas rather eclipses a 23rd of December birthday. Does anyone else have a birthday a bit too close to Christmas? You get double presents, the couple of us, right? At least we're closer to Jesus than most of these other people, <laughs> at, least, at least chronologically, right? Anyway, uh, we, are, we are building up on the second Sunday of Advent. We're on the theme of peace, which really is at the heart of the Christmas message. What we celebrate is God's gift of peace. It was prophesied centuries before it arrived. To us, a child is born, and he shall be the prince of peace. peace. Shalom. He will bring the world back to well-being, the way that we were meant to live. And then as Jesus comes into the world, the angels announce to the shepherds, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. There is peace on earth to be found in the arrival of Jesus Christ. God dwells in peace and glory in heaven and in Jesus Christ he's brought his peace to earth that we might know the peace of God. Later in the New Testament, you've seen it in Isaiah before he came, then the announcement as he arrives and then the unpacking of that as Paul says, now he says the peace of God can guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Literally it's that the peace of God can garrison your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Whatever you're facing this season, we can be guarded by that beautiful peace that comes from the Prince of Peace. And we need that because Christmas is a time we celebrate it, but we get stressed celebrating peace. Isn't that ironic? <laughs> Has anyone else ex experienced this? That actually, in a season that's all about peace, we can find ourselves making so many preparations and arrangements and feeling the pressure to have the perfect Christmas that actually what's meant to be about peace becomes all too stressful. That might be the stress of uh, arranging all the presents for very expectant children uh, who sometimes expectations can go sky high and um, I, I heard of a father who wanted to get ahead of the game so it, nine months in advance of Christmas he asked his daughter what she wanted and she said she wanted a baby brother a baby boy and as it turned out the father managed to arrange this uh, and, uh, and uh, his, his wife gave birth to a baby boy on Christmas Day extraordinary Anyway, the next year, well in advance, the father asked the same question, what do you want for Christmas this year? To which the, baby, the girl replied, if it's not too painful for mummy, this time I'd like a pony. Uh, <laughs> anyway, stress, the stress of trying to get the right presents for children, and obviously the stress of family and relatives, and trying to get the relatives all in one house and peaceful is quite a challenge sometimes as well, need I say more. So we're into a season that's all about peace, but it can have some stress. And so I want to learn from the story, well, from the central character, really, to the Christmas story, the Virgin Mary, who I think exudes extraordinary peace, discovered extraordinary peace, even in very stressful circumstances. Peace is not a sort of cute Christmas card that takes all of the problems away. True peace is having our hearts garrisoned by that peace of God, even as we face challenging circumstances. This was Mary's reality. She's engaged to be married to Joseph, the angel will bring her news that threatens her entire future. She could well become a social outcast because of what is about to happen to her, but for the grace of God, as we'll see. And yet, she doesn't lose her peace. But she discovers true peace, which is knowing that God is in control even when life is challenging. Some of us probably need that this Christmas, right? 
God is in control, even when life is challenging, this truly can be a season of shalom, not stress. A season where we experience the peace of God. So we're going to unpack that from the story of Mary. And uh, before we read from the Luke's Gospel, Luke chapter 1, where the angel Gabriel appears to Mary... On the screen here, you can see some footage from a recent visit to Israel. Here is, uh, as you, oh, in a moment, here we go. Here is Nazareth today. I took this footage with you in mind. You can see here a town that today is a bustling town, but at the time of Mary was around 400 residents. This is the location then where the angel Gabriel appears. Today you can visit the Church of the Annunciation here in Nazareth, built over the place that's thought to be the house of Mary which was little more than a cave. Here you can see what is now a holy site for pilgrimage, but it was little more than a grotto or a cave that we think she lived in. This is the original bedrock of stone built into the landscape, and that through there may well be the cave where the angel Gabriel appeared to this young teenage girl who had little more than a cave to live in, in a nothing kind of place called Nazareth. That's the location as it is today. We're going to read the story as it was in Mary's day, Luke chapter 1. Verse 26. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, the town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, The power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, who is going to have a child in her old age, and she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month, for no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary replied. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then... The angel left her. Three clues, three principles for enjoying peace this season from the story of Mary. Peace is enjoying God's favor, receiving God's son, and being God's servant. Those are the three things we're going to track through. Firstly, then, peace is enjoying God's favor. Did you notice twice the angel, in order to bring peace to Mary, reassured her, do not be afraid, you have favor with God. Now, don't you think, if you, if you imagine what that means for a poor teenage girl in a cave in the middle of nowhere, can you imagine what that means to have an angel come to you and say, God is on your side? That's a game changer right there, isn't it? That's the sort of thing that can bring peace even in the storms and challenges of life. Your life, Mary, is situated under the favor of Almighty God. And by the way, this is the God for whom nothing is impossible, as the angel goes on to say. He can cause a woman who's in her 80s that's never been able to have children to conceive. This God can do anything, and your life has just come under his divine favor. He's smiling on you. His eyes are on you. His affection is for you, Mary. Now live out of that truth. Isn't that a fantastic reality for a poor girl to face the rest of life with? 
Whatever happens now, whatever circumstances I face, God is with me. And if God is for us, who can be against us, right? Or as the psalmist says, if the Lord is on my side, I will not fear. What could man do to me? Do not be afraid, the angel says. There's no need to worry, Mary. You've got God on your side. Now that reality comes to this girl who's of a very unlikely part in the story. I mean, she's not someone special, okay? Let's be clear about this. She lives in a place that's not special. This isn't Jerusalem. This is Nazareth. This isn't the emperor's daughter. This is a poor teenage girl in a little grotto cave. The whole point then of the story is that God's favor is undeserved. You can't explain it by your own importance. And you mustn't write yourself off because you're not important. Anyone, if Mary can have her life under God's favor, anyone through Jesus Christ is now being invited to situate their lives under the favor of God. God chose somebody who by the world standards was really nobody in order that everybody might know you can live under the favor of Almighty God. And that is the source of true peace. Peace is enjoying God's favor. Mary celebrates the way God has done this because he's kind of turned social order and politics on their head in choosing that which the world would ignore and ignoring that which the world would choose. She later celebrates this. This is the message, at least translation, of what's known as the Magnificat, her song. And she says, God took one look at me and look what happened. I'm the most fortunate woman on earth. He knocks the arrogant off their high horse, but the starving poor sit down to a banquet. Don't you love the way our God works? He doesn't follow the way of the world. He lifts up the lowly and makes them into somebody because he brings their life under his divine favor. You can't buy that, and once you've got it, you'll never be the same again. Living with the smile of God on your life is the offer of the arrival of Jesus Christ at Christmas. It was in a particular sense for Mary, but it is a general offer to all humanity. We can know the favor and the peace of God. Now, of course, what this means for Mary is that difficult circumstances will still unfold. Being under the favor of God is not a a sort of ticket to heaven in the immediate. It's a challenge of living on earth still, but the circumstances you face, you no longer face the same way. Think of this truth almost like a pair of spectacles or glasses that you put on. You don't so much just look at it, you look through this truth and it gives you vision for all of life. Now you see the world differently. I am under the favor of God and I bring that to the challenges I face. When for Mary, Joseph threatens to divorce her, she now sees that difficult reality under God's favor. Even if he does divorce me, I will never be alone. When Joseph doesn't divorce Mary and they travel to Bethlehem and there's no room in the inn and crisis like that hit us also, when there's no money left in the account, when there's no, no job left for us to do, when these challenges come our way like there was no room in the inn for Mary and Joseph, nevertheless the peace did not depart her because she knew God's favour. I'm situated under that favour even when there's no room in the inn. When Herod is trying to murder her boy, Nevertheless, God will not allow that to happen because she's under his favor. When she's a refugee in Egypt on the run with no home, she's not actually abandoned because she's under the Lord's favor. You get the point. Mary's life was still profoundly challenging, but it was a challenge lived in a new dimension under the favor of God. And I want to invite us today to think of Christmas as 
God's opportunity, God's offer to us to situate our lives under that same favor. And when we do, we discover a peace that transcends our circumstances and transcends our understanding. I was chatting to a couple of people recently who are Christians. They've put their faith in the Prince of Peace. They've experienced this reality. And when life has been difficult, one of my friends a couple of months back was made redundant. And he spoke to me on the phone literally the day after. And he said, but I've got peace. You know, I never relied on man to provide for me. God will provide for me. And that's a peace that transcends the circumstances. I spoke to another friend who is leading a business. And she's a businesswoman who's facing some challenges because of the Brexit challenge and all those other things. And she said, but we're not cutting corners and we're not cutting staff. We're trusting God. I spoke to another friend whose wife had just been diagnosed. And unfortunately, this time it wasn't benign. It was malignant and treatments unfolding. But they said, we've got peace. God will get us through this. That's the kind of peace we're talking about, folks. It's not some kind of cute Christmas card peace that's here for a season and gone for 2020. No, no, no. This is the kind of peace that endures. That this is the kind of peace that takes us into 2020, not having to hide in escapist tactics, not having to give ourselves cheaply to all kinds of rubbish to try and escape from a reality we can't handle. This peace gives us the resources to face the challenges. I urge you this season, don't allow Christmas to be a time where instead of finding peace, you're, you end up picking up the pieces. Right? I, I just say this because I think this is often a time where we drink too much and then things happen at Christmas parties, shenanigans that we regret and we, we, we buy too much and then we're in debt and we, we, we watch too much and then we feel just consumed by the things we've consumed. And I just say over us, may we not find ourselves giving in to things that leave us picking up the pieces. Let us instead let, allow our lives to be situated under the favor of God and dwell in his peace. Amen. Peace is enjoying God's favor. Secondly, peace is receiving God's son. Mary had to do this physically. She had to embrace the reality that in some mysterious way we'll come on to, the eternal Son of God was now going to take up residence in her womb. Extraordinary. Mary had to do this physically, but in a different way, we are also spiritually called to receive God's Son, to welcome the presence of Jesus Christ into our lives. This is the way that Mary was told by the angel, you will be with child... And he will be great, the son of the Most High. What she's being told here is that an ancient prophecy that goes actually as far back as the Garden of Eden, right at the beginning of humanity, when there was that snake in the grass and Adam and Eve listened to the voice of temptation and turned away and darkness came into the world and death and evil and sin and suffering and all that plagues us, when that happened, God spoke decisively and said, despite this, one is coming. He described this one as the offspring of a woman who will crush the head of the serpent. That hope was carried by Israel. Imagine Israel almost pregnant with the promise of that hope as Isaiah centuries beforehand says to us, a child is born, heralding the arrival of this offspring of a woman who will crush the head of evil and break the power of death, and open up a way of forgiveness for the guilty, and bring an end ultimately to all suffering. And all of that cosmic hope is being gathered up in what the angel says to Mary, which is effectively, it's game on. <laughs> 
the one that we've been waiting for, is about to arrive in and through this woman, the Virgin Mary. Her womb will host the arrival of the moment when eternity breaks into history, when the author of this story writes himself into the script. It's all going to unfold out from the womb of a poor virgin in the middle of nowhere living in poverty in a cave. Isn't that extraordinary? That's what we celebrate at Christmas. It's the absolutely central truth that God has intervened in human history, in world history, through the person of Jesus Christ. Now Mary asks a perfectly reasonable question, the sort of question you would have asked, which is, uh, how, is this, you know, how will this be? How could this possibly happen? Since I'm a virgin, she makes the point that she's not had any sexual involvement with anyone, how is it possible for her to conceive? And the angel goes on to say these famous words, the power of the Most High will overshadow you, therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. Notice the word overshadow indicates that there is mystery here. We can't fully see into what God did. But whilst there's mystery, there's also some things we can say about the biology and the theology of what is unfolding in Mary's womb. Firstly, in terms of the biology, clearly Mary is to conceive a son. And that is to say that it was Mary, I believe, it was, and some contest this, but generally the orthodox position is that Mary's egg, it was actually Mary's egg, Mary's gene pool, Mary's DNA, Mary's egg was, but through the Holy Spirit, was fertilized with the very divine life of the eternal Son of God. So that the life of the eternal Son of God, otherwise lived, if you like, outside of history, entered into the confines of human flesh and blood. That what was fertilized in Mary's womb was her egg with the divine life of the second person of the Trinity, Jesus Christ, as he will then become known. Extraordinary. So that you have in Mary's womb the joining of humanity, Mary's egg, and divinity, the life of Jesus Christ, bound in theology that we refer to as the incarnation. God coming into the flesh of a human being and dwelling in the world as a proper human being. This is Mary's boy who's also God's son. (laughs) Isn't that extraordinary thought? He's not therefore a superhuman or a pseudo-human, he's a proper human. He knows what it is to be tired, he knows what it is to be fearful, he knows what it is to be hungry, and he knows what it is to be sad. Jesus experienced all of those human emotions, and yet, this proper human is also the eternal Son of God who's come in to do things for us that we could never do for ourselves. Read the rest of the Gospels. And Mary's being told then, through her, this Messiah, this Lord is coming into the world. We will sing this truth at Christmas. Veiled in flesh, the Godhead see, hail the incarnate deity, pleased as man with man to dwell, Jesus our Emmanuel. God is with us in the person of Jesus Christ. Many would have had no idea who they were growing up with, who they were relating to in Jesus Christ. It was the most extraordinary undercover operation the world has ever known. And yet, in that disguise of, if you like, ordinary humanity, dwelt the God of majesty and glory. And that's the Christmas story. I've been watching on Channel 4 a couple of episodes of, uh, called The Secret Teacher. I don't know if any of you have seen this, but it's basically where into these high schools 
there's a new TA, a new teaching assistant, who actually is in disguise a multi-millionaire that's made their millions through very successful business. So implanted into the school, buried in the school, unbeknownst to the children, to the, to the students, is a multi-millionaire who looks like an ordinary TA. And eventually there's the kind of big reveal moment as the, the TA <laughs> chooses a couple of children to invest their wealth in in order that they might succeed. And you can imagine that moment of the reveal for the children is a moment of extraordinary joy and peace, you might say. Why? Because now you've got this person and you never really realized who they were and now you've just realized that they're picking up on you and saying, I'm going to invest who I am and what I've got into you. That is the Christmas story. The God of heaven, glory in the highest, is on earth dwelling in our story, sowing utter solidarity with us human beings and saying to us, I'm here to invest in you, that you might be saved and transformed and healed and delivered, that you might live under the favor of God. Now that changes people's lives. This is not just, a, again, it's not just a cute season, it's real transformation. When people meet this Jesus, lives are changed. I think of a lady who I know, a friend who, um, her one Christmas, uh, in the build-up to Christmas, her husband left her, just walked out on her and her two daughters, and she was utterly broken, a really dark place. So dark, in fact, though she didn't have really any church background, she'd heard about people mocked as happy, clappy Christians, right? So she actually went on Google and typed in happy, clappy church, <laughs> looking to find something that would lift her. Of course, no respectful church self-identifies as happy, clappy. So the search came back with no results. But she then went into town to do some shopping and she just so happened to bump into a friend from work who was actually a Christian who shared with her an invite to the guest service that they were having for Christmas and she went along and to cut a long story short, that was the game changer for her. Her life was utterly transformed because it crossed with the one who transforms every, every story, Jesus Christ. This Christmas then, we're believing, aren't we, that many more lives will be transformed by the reality of Emmanuel in Jesus Christ, God is with us. But that's not just a truth. Receiving God's Son is not just the truth for Mary and for those outside the church. It's actually true for all of us here today. Whether you've been on the journey with Jesus for many years or not, all of us need to freshly receive and welcome into our lives the presence of Jesus. Because otherwise, this is a season that's meant to be about Jesus, but is utterly distracted by so many other things that compete and rival with the airtime. And before we know it, what we've ended up with is a commercial Christmas, a distracted Christmas, a stressed Christmas. Peace comes when we take some time out to receive God's Son to welcome freshly to the very center of our hearts and our homes the one who came from heaven to earth and we dwell again in his presence. Emmanuel is not just a distant truth. We need to make it a lived reality. God is with us. Amen? So can I urge you in the busyness to avoid being stressed out by that distracted busyness, can I urge you to take a few moments, maybe sink to a different posture like Mary did. I'm the Lord's servant. Let it be to me as you have said. That's her prayer, really. Lord, I, I welcome you. I let you into my life. And all of us need to almost have this encounter this Christmas with Jesus Christ. I, re, I embrace your presence in my life. Be the very center of my Christmas and my activity. That will set us up for a Christmas, not of stress, but of shalom, of peace. 
enjoying God's favour, receiving God's Son, and then thirdly, being God's servant. The third key to peace for Mary is that she situates herself as God's servant. Did you hear that little phrase she says in verse 38? I am the Lord's servant. I am the Lord's servant. She wants to know, to be known in that kind of way. I'm not the boss of my life. I am the servant to the ultimate boss and I allow him to take control. I believe this is crucial to peace. I believe that so much of our stress and anxiety is because we try and take control of everything. We try and organize and order the world to secure and shore up our hopes and our dreams. We try and offset every risk and danger. We take so much responsibility and control for our lives that we squeeze it so tight we begin to crush it. We can do this with ourselves, we can do this with our children, we can do this with our jobs. There's a danger of stress that comes from trying to be the boss of our lives. There is a reality of peace that comes when we open up our hands. Instead of this kind of posture, we adopt this kind of posture. Lord, I am your servant. Let it be to me as you have said. I'm not going to fight every cause. I'm not going to fret about every possible scenario. I'm just going to surrender my life to the goodness and the faithfulness of God. And in that, I find my peace. I am the Lord's servant. If we want to avoid a season of stress, there needs to be that surrender that takes up that posture. Lord, my job this Christmas is to be your servant. How can I do that as well as, possible, as possibly I can? And if we ask that kind of question, I believe it's a recipe for peace. And if we answer that question, what might it mean then for us to be the Lord's servant this Christmas? Let me give you two answers from Mary. Two things Mary did off the back of announcing herself as the Lord's servant. Number one, she worshipped. And number two, she witnessed. She magnified the Lord and she multiplied his fame in the world. That's our calling. If you want to be a servant of Jesus Christ, a servant of the Lord... We worship and we witness. Firstly, we notice then, under the heading of worship, that Mary magnifies the Lord by singing the Magnificat. You may know this famous song that she bursts into. It's the overflow of her peace, really. Have you noticed how fear chokes your throat? It causes you to draw, fall full silent and like you can't declare anything with confidence. But peace allows us to sing out. We sing out our peace as we join in the song like Mary did. Here's how the opening line goes. My soul magnifies the Lord and my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She's singing that in the threatening circumstances, right? Those circumstances remain, but she's singing out her peace with confidence. She's saying, I'm the servant of the Lord. I'm going to magnify my master, <laughs> And my voice will join with the throngs of angels to declare that he is worthy of praise. And out of that place, she finds fresh peace. Have you experienced this? When you worship the Lord, do you not find that the fear goes a little bit and the peace comes? It's a key. You know, you cannot stop the storms rolling through life, but you can learn to sing in the rain. <laughs> 
You cannot stop the storms coming, but you can learn to sing in the rain. You can learn to rejoice in the Lord in every circumstance and find that your peace overflows in that joy. In that, out, out of that song, she finds fresh peace. She declares it into the world. I want to encourage us this Christmas to left, lift our voices over our circumstances sometimes and simply sing out our peace. Secondly, she not only worships, but secondly, she witnesses. And this is very important too. If you want to be a servant of the Lord, witness. Mary goes out of her way to share the Advent peace that she has discovered. She goes out of her way to do this. In fact, it's an extraordinary story that's helped me a little bit this Christmas. I've kind of got a fresh revelation of just what Mary had to do to share the Advent peace she'd experienced. We read in um, verse 39, Mary hurried off to see Elizabeth, or Mary got ready and hurried to the town to greet Elizabeth. I always thought that was kind of just down the road. <laughs> but again, from recently being in Israel, I got a bit of a realization of what that involves. You can see here on the screen uh, a little bit that captures what Mary then had to do. From leaving Nazareth, she headed off on an 80-mile journey to reach Elizabeth. Here you can see the route that she would have taken from Nazareth, where she lived, down the Jordan Valley, past Jericho and Jerusalem, and out into the hill country of Judea, where Elizabeth lived in a town called Ain Karem. This is Ain Karem today, where Elizabeth lived. And you can see there, if you visit, a statue of the moment when Mary and Elizabeth met. And John the Baptist, in the womb of Elizabeth, did somersaults of joy in utero as Jesus, through Mary, if you like, his presence came into that place. My point is, do you notice the distance she traveled? 80 miles as a young teenage girl in a dangerous country. If you know anything about the road from Jericho to Jerusalem, if you've read the story of the Good Samaritan, you know there's some risks associated with that route. It was a long way. She had to go out of her way and she had to do it in faith. Well, I want to say over our Christmas season, if you want to be a servant of the Lord, this is part of what it's about. It's about saying, Lord, I want the peace I've received to overflow so that others can experience the joy of Jesus. Think about that. Because of the peace that Mary received, is Elizabeth and little John the Baptist experienced the joy of Jesus. Who is going to experience the joy of Jesus this Christmas because we've experienced the peace of the Lord like Mary? How is that going to overflow? We may need to go out of our way. She went 80 miles. I wonder what we need to do to actively be on mission for Jesus this Christmas, to share and witness to that good news. She not only had to go out of her way, she had to take some risks. She had to do it by faith. It's interesting, isn't it, that the angel tells her in Nazareth, Mary, your relative, who's around 80 years of age at this time and never been able to have children, your relative is pregnant. That's an impossible thing to believe, except that God has said it, right? And of course, she had no mobile phone to give Elizabeth the ring and say, is it true? <laughs> Have you got a bun in the oven, right? She, she couldn't do that, okay? She couldn't just phone up. She had to walk 80 miles in faith to discover whether what God has said is true. That's real faith, right? It's stepping out from what you know and what's comfortable to actually take risks and reach out beyond your region. I want to encourage us this Christmas. Who is there where we might have to take a step of faith beyond what we know is happening in that person's life? God might be at work. Amen? This is the God for whom nothing is impossible. 
So I, I dare us, I challenge us this season to go out of our way and to take some risks, to invite some people to hear the joy of Jesus at Christmas that for us feels like a real step of faith. For them, it might be the gift of eternal life. So this is our call this season to be a servant of Jesus Christ. What does that mean? It means to worship. My soul will magnify the Lord. It means to worship and it means to witness. My soul will magnify and I will go out of my way and I will take steps of faith in order to multiply the good news of Jesus in the world. That is what Mary ultimately decided. That's what we must decide. It's all about coming to this place and saying, I am the Lord's servant. Lord Jesus, this Christmas, let it be to me as you have said. In his name, amen. Amen.